A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. On that, day, on that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once, because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and it withered away for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit, a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. Whoever has ears to hear ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. You shall indeed hear but not understand. You shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. And the evil one comes and steals it away, but was stone sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word. But then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Are any children like to come up for a children's homily? Any children want to come up?
cool. I have to see here. And it didn't grow so well. Hmm. Well, these are seeds. You know what I find amazing about seeds? How small they are. They are so tiny that everything that this, you know, flower seed, everything that these flowers are going to grow into is already contained in that tiny little seed. Ah. Well, you see, seeds need nourishing, don't they? They need soil, and they need water, and sometimes they need plant food. But they need to be planted in a good place. So if you think if you were to take one of these seeds and throw it in the middle of the street, do you think it would grow into a flower? No, not in the street, would it? Cars would run over it, and if they had none, we wouldn't have any flowers. Or they'd do it in the parking lot. Does that work? No, no. Where, where do you need to put the seed to make it grow? Like in grass? In the grass? And that's in soil and dirt? Soil is what seeds need to grow in water? And then um, you can put it um, on, um, like, on the side of the sidewalk. On the side of the sidewalk for the dirt? Yeah, because they need soil to grow and they need to be nourished water and sometimes the plant food. And if you treat those seeds well, then they turn into beautiful flowers like this one. I thought this one was given to me by home people for a smile and four dollars. And this is what a plant can be. This is what a seed is supposed to grow into. It has this beautiful, sometimes I think of the big tall oak trees that are a hundred feet high. And the tiny little acorn, everything that oak tree is ever going to do is in that acorn. But it needs to be nourished. And see, God puts his word in our hearts. He tells us how much he loves us and gives us the beauty of nature to look at. And God is everywhere. And God is everywhere. And if we look for him, we can see him everywhere. And if we stop to think and stop to pray and we read his word and we study, his word. He died for us. He sure did. And that will nourish that seed grow. The seed of the word of God to grow in us. He died on the cross. That's the one behind me. That's right. He died on the cross to show us how much he loves us. And he let that seed grow in us. And we can blossom. And we can be like Jesus. We can love and care and heal people like Jesus. And then we become blessed and we become fruitful and hope in all the world. See, we've got two parents now. He's got the same candy one, doesn't he? Very cute. All right. Your mom picked those out? Oh, okay. Jesus is teaching the people in 
very, very funny stories. They're laughing their heads off. We don't often catch it because the, the language and the culture is very different. But speaking to a first century Palestinian, they all had garden plots or farms and usually kept some animals. In fact, they kept them in the house. A typical home in Palestine had farm animals on the, on the ground floor and the family, the, the humans lived above them. Because they all, you know, there was, it's a bartering system and they, they're barely making it as a subsistence life. And, and so they, they all had gardens and they all had plots or they all kept animals. So they understood farming. Well, Jesus tells this story about a farmer. Now, I want you to picture this. This farmer, he didn't go down to Home Depot to buy these seeds. He had to save these seeds from his previous year's crop. So he planted a crop, he harvested it, he ate some, he may have bartered some for something else, but he always had to save some behind, or he wouldn't have anything to plant the next year. And he would save those seeds and cherish them and take care of them because his livelihood depended upon taking care of these seeds. And so the farmer is going to go out to plant his field, but this particular farmer seems to have forgotten where his field is. He's throwing seed everywhere. He's just walking along casting seeds in the air. He doesn't seem to care where it lands. Some lands on the road and he steps on it. Some land and some of the seed falls on rocks and they can't grow there. And some seed falls, lands in the throat in the briar bush. And it's thorny and it's weedy and the weeds are going to choke it. And then finally some seed falls on his field. Some seed falls on the ground that he has prepared to receive the seed. That seed grows. Well, you know the people are listening to this story and they're laughing at the story about the most stupid farmer in the world. But then Jesus takes his disciples aside and explains to them the meaning. What does this story mean? The first thing we see in this story the first point Jesus is making is that the seed is going everywhere. And he says, this seed is the word of God. Because God has given his word to everyone. He has spread his word everywhere so that people can know him. People can have a relationship with him. He, people will know God in their lives. And one of the ways that God spreads his word to all mankind is through nature. God has ordered nature in such a fashion that if we look at the natural world, we will see God revealed there. We will see order. We will see peace. We will see the revelation of God in nature. One of them ways that God reveals himself in nature that I find fascinating and for which I'm very grateful is that God has ordained that the human eye can see color. Have you ever thought about that? Most animals cannot see color. Most mammals cannot see color. But God has ordained that the human eye can perceive color so that we can see beauty 
in the earth. We can see beauty because God is himself beauty. And we can understand something of the nature of God just by the fact that we can perceive color and see beauty in the earth that so many animals cannot see. And another thing that I find fascinating that God ordained in nature is that every substance known to man that exists both in a liquid and in a solid state is heavier in its solid state than it is in its liquid state. That is every substance except for one. And that is water. Now, do you realize that water was like every other substance on the planet? That the lakes above the 40th parallel, when they froze in the winter, the ice would sink to the bottom. And soon the lake would be filled as a giant ice cream. They would not be able to melt in summer. There would be no place for the fish. There would be no way we, we couldn't go swimming. Wouldn't that be terrible? God has ordained that water would be lighter when it became solid so that the, we would be able to have lakes with fish in them and we'd be able to enjoy and to drink the water. We would be able to thrive throughout this planet because of that one simple natural fact. You see, God God revealed himself to us to all of mankind in nature. The seed is scattered everywhere. Another way that God's word is scattered everywhere is the contemplation. God has so ordained it, so created us with that innate sense of who God is. St. John puts it this way. He says, the word of God is the light that enlightens everyone who comes into the world. We are born with an innate understanding of God. And if we just stop and contemplate that, think about it, we will understand and be able to grow in the word of God. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people coming from non-Christian backgrounds, because they're people of prayer and meditation, they become they start to expound some really profound truths, things that we understand as well, that they've just picked up just by thinking about them. I read a book recently by the Dalai Lama. It was, it was jointly written between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, Archbishop of uh, South Africa. And the Dalai Lama is, well, he doesn't like to call himself an atheist. He refers to himself as a non-theist. He doesn't believe in God. And he says, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in compassion. And I'm thinking, well, I've got news for you, Dolly. When God proclaimed his name to Moses, that's the name he called himself. He said, my name is Mercy. Oh, just by trying to perceive, to come to understand something of the word of God that is being revealed. That is why... Some of the early church fathers considered Plato to be a saint, even though he existed before Christ. And the Sibyl, the Greek prophetess Sibyl, is on the wall of the Sistine Chapel, along with all the Old Testament prophets. Because through contemplation, she came to understand something of the truth of God. God passed his seed to all mankind. 
we are fortunate, just as Jesus has said to you, truths of the kingdom of God have been revealed. And so we have the scriptures. Most importantly, we have the life and teaching ministry of Jesus, who is the perfect revelation of God. Jesus said, prophets wished, prophets and saints wished to see and to hear what you see and hear. We have experienced the perfect revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And this perfect revelation of God has been given to us so that the word of God in pure form has come to us to be planted in our hearts. But this parable calls us to self-examination and ask ourselves the question, what kind of soil are we? Some of the seed fell on the road. Of course, the Roman roads were made out of stone. The seed's not going to grow there. The birds come and take the seed away. We know that those are people who just so totally reject any notion of God that what they worship above all is their own opinion and agenda. They refuse to allow the Word of God to take any root in their heart at all. We won't dwell on them because, quite frankly, they're not here. And then there are those whose soil is rocky. And I've known so many people like this. Jesus said they receive the word, the word with joy, but they don't take root. And so when tribulation comes, when anxieties come, when troubles come in the world, they fall away. I've known so many people who have felt the call of God in their life, who have they had a desire to know God. And mostly I see this happen in people when they're at that cusp of childhood and adulthood. Around 11, 12, 13 years old, they begin to feel stirrings of God in their heart and they desire to know more about God. But then there are sports. Then there are, well, there's the opposite sex. Then there is everything else that begins to create anxieties in my school and jobs and everything that begins to fill our lives with the distractions and the anxieties and it's just not enough root begins to that desire for God is withered away. And then there are those whose ground is full of thorns, full of weeds. Why well, not that life? Jesus says, the anxieties of life and the lure of riches choke the word of God. Boy, isn't that isn't so easy to become overwhelmed by the anxieties of life, by the struggles of jobs and, and paying mortgages and, and, and making things happen in our lives. And we have desires and we have plans, we have our own, we have opinions, we have agendas. And we allow all of those distractions to choke the Word of God within our hearts. I've seen that happen to many people. I've seen that happen to myself. 
Oftentimes I hear people come to me and they struggle with understanding the Word of God. Now, this is just something I've read, that the average American spends six hours a day watching television. Is that possible? I don't know, I've read it. And the average Catholic spends one hour a week in prayer. No wonder the anxieties of life and the allure of commercialism. Buy this, buy that, this will make you happy, this will fill your life, this will make you feel fulfilled. No wonder that chokes the word of God in the Bible. But then there is the good soul. There are those who have cleansed their hearts of their own opinions and their own agendas and given themselves to the Word of God that allow the Word of God to develop and to grow in them and to bear fruit in their lives. You know, Jesus, the perfect revelation of God, gave us very simple truths to live by, things that shouldn't be so complicated. He said to us, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Trust God. How many of us, as soon as there's a little lift in our plan, become anxious and nervous and afraid? And then there are those, that's the word of Jesus comes and says, don't judge anyone, or you yourself will be judged. And we think that's a wonderful thing. We don't want anybody judging us. Oh, but someone cuts us off on the highway or someone does something, someone maligns us wrongly, says something evil about us. And oh, it's so easy to judge them. Jesus says, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's a really sweet saying, and we all love it. We love that saying. But yet, you know, I like my neighbor. He's a pretty good guy. And if he fell on hard times and needed a coat, I'd be very happy to give him one of my coats. I could just go buy myself a new one. But do I love him as much as I love myself if he gets the old coat and I get the new coat? They're really simple sayings. Simple teachings. The Word of God. But yet, our own anxieties attractions of this world, the lure of riches, as Jesus put it, choke them out of our lives. But when we see this parable from God's perspective, we realize Jesus is not trying to make life difficult on us. He's not trying to make our lives conflicted. He is trying to show us the path of joy, the path that we can experience this life in its complete fulfillment that we can know the joy of being with Jesus, of serving Jesus, of serving our neighbors, of being a part of something so much greater than us. We can live a life of love. We can live a life of joy. We can live a life of peace, free from anxiety, free from the manipulations of commercialism that wants to lure us with riches. We can live in the joy of Christ. If only we will take that seed 
of the Word of God and nourish it, water it with our tears, feed it with prayer, the Scripture, to pray, to find God, and to give ourselves wholly to Him, to release our agenda, release our opinions, only desire Christ. And if Christ is all we desire, following the word of Christ is all that we want out of life, then guess what? You get everything you ever wanted. Because Jesus will never hold back those who desire him.